0: of the give alas podcast today i'm joined by the founders of give alas diana hernandez and omar guyen how are you guys doing today i'm
1: doing well doing well thank you for asking
0: awesome awesome so for the first episode i just want to go through and let both of you guys tell your stories about how you got into education and why you decided to start give alas so i guess diana if we want to start with you um tell us about your story
2: sure um well that's uh that's a handful keith my (laughs) story so i think i'm gonna start with um Maybe my childhood. I'll start with my childhood. So I was brought to the states when I was uh, seven years old. So um, when I say I was brought to the states is because my my family immigrated from Mexico City, uh, and I, w- I was a second grader coming into California. So really didn't know understand the context of where I was going. Don't really understand. All I knew is I was gonna come to Disneyland to meet my grandparents because oh, wow. uh, my grandpa at that time was sick. Mm. So that was, that's where my, really, my story here in the States started. Uh, but I was born in Mexico city, grew up there till I was six years old, was educated, actually, uh, learned to read in kinder and first grade. So I already had a literate background. So I was able to read and write in Spanish before coming to the United States. So I knew that going to second grade, obviously didn't really understand the language, didn't really understand the school culture as well. I just remember being looked at uh, by my second grade teacher and she was really caring. I remember her being really caring in second grade and she's trying to make me feel a part of the school. Um, one of the memories in second grade was the Easter bunny. <laughs> so we don't have an Easter bunny in Mexico. That's something we don't celebrate. And wow, I remember- I did not know that. Yeah. And I remember hugging the Easter bunny and taking pictures with this strange bunny who was huge. And I was like- I asked my mom what's the Easter bunny? And she kind of looked at me like, ¿Qué? ¿Un conejo grande? Like you were hugging a stuffed animal? Yeah, he came to school and we were all hugging and we were picking up eggs on the floor. And we don't do that. We don't have Easter egg hunts. So that was my first memory of a holiday here in the States oh, in second wow. grade. So that so that was my, my, you know, and we could talk about a little bit more of my story in terms of schooling, but... Third grade kind of went about the same way. My third grade teacher was interesting because I was in a school where they shared a classroom. And the two third grade teachers shared a classroom and they had a bunk bed in the middle of the classroom.
0: Like a bunk bed?
2: <laughs> yeah, like a bunk bed, like literally a bed. And I had two. And, and I remember uh, as fun time, we would read on the bunk bed.
0: Oh, wow. So
2: you had to earn to go on the bunk bed and read. And I used to love doing that. And that's how I love I started loving to read. Because that was actually time that was free for you to go on the bunk bed and read. And I remember she would give us like time and, and badges so that you could go on the bunk bed. So that I remember in third grade, I, that was the thing that I loved to do. I loved to get up on the bunk bed and read. And um, I remember I still didn't really understand what I was reading in English. But all my books were in English. We didn't have any Spanish books so or anything. So I remember just flipping through the book and looking at the pictures and and thinking, blah, 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 blah. I would would just be like, blah, 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 reading, you know? And I remember that. And I remember saying, one day I will, in my head, one day I will understand what I'm reading. Um, So that was third grade. So that was my third grade experience. Fast forward to fourth grade. Fourth grade, I had a really, really sweet teacher. Her name was Mrs. Russell. And Mrs. Russell is the one that taught me how to read. She was young. She loved her job. She was that kind of teacher that you know wants to make the difference in the world and i remember her sitting with me and reading a uh, little little house on the prairie at that time chapter book That was fourth grade i remember in fourth grade i really understood what i was reading and i i shared this with omar a couple of months ago that i i read this book over and over again and when i first read it i didn't understand i really just remember the little rock and i remember the i think it's i remember the title of the book i'll probably remember it at one point but i remember reading it and in fourth grade, I, I checked it out at the library, and I remember being able to read it, and I understood it. And that's how I learned that I knew how to read in English. Oh, wow. So that's how I became biliterate, because I was literate in Spanish. I understand how to read Spanish, because my mom would sit me down um, and have me read and write to my dad. My parents were divorced when I was eight, so my dad didn't live in the States, um, and I remember her sitting us down and having and writing letters in Spanish and saying, make sure that you are able to read it so that your dad could read it. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I was literate. So that was never an issue for me. Um, I, I was literate in my Spanish language, but I understood being biliterate in fourth grade that I understand how to speak English um, and write English. So that was fourth grade. So that was a little bit of my, that's a little bit of my background in terms of uh, growing up here in the States. I grew up in Westminster, California, which is very close to uh, Anaheim, if people don't know, because hopefully one day we'll have people listen to these podcasts internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in Orange County, California, I grew up in, at, in Westminster, very proud uh, to grow up there. I learned a lot of things that for me as a person uh, has been brought me to where i'm at today and some things that you know i think could have been done better and that's why i got into education because i wanted to change that so i go to school you know um, elementary school middle school high school for me school growing up wasn't really a thing i I wasn't really into academics Uh, i was more into sports (laughs) so for me it was always sports um middle school is when i started playing basketball actually and That really drove me to do a lot of the things um, that I ended up doing in high school. So in high school, I became a student athlete. Uh, I had a great coach in high school. I mean, one of those people that um, we call old school now. He was um, the old school of thought, you know, he was from John Wooden type of mentality. He had this idea that you push yourself to the limit and that you were gonna be pushed. And so I had that type of uh, coach. His name is Coach Katz. Um, he was like a father to me, you know, because I didn't have one. And in adolescence, we know that that's really important to have a father figure and a mother figure. So I didn't have a father figure, but he was that to me. He was the type of person who would, you know, take us to a tournament and give us food and, and really take care of us. At this, in this time in education, unfortunately, there's a lot of liability. Hmm. So a fifty year fifty year old man driving an RV to take us to a tournament would never happen anymore. I see. But at that time, he would he would get his RV and and fourteen year old girls and go to a tournament in Palm Springs and he wouldn't even think about it, you know. So he he was he was like a father to me and he knows that you know I've thanked him many times. He was an educator as well. He taught math in high school, so he was one of the people that pushed me to the limit that I didn't understand that I could do. So when we would, um, run, you know, he would take us out, uh, cross country because he thought that that was going to help us build our basketball. So that's, those are the kinds of things he did. So that was high school. And then, um, got a scholarship,
0: Oh, know? wow. Awesome. Yeah.
2: So my, when I first started playing basketball in freshman year, I was actually a bench, bench warmer. Didn't get a lick of time. Sophomore year, I didn't want to be a bench warmer. Practice, practice, practice. Um, junior junior year I actually started that's the first time I started Uh, and then senior year that's really where I I understood my senior year I understood that it took dedication to do anything that you wanted to do Uh, so I would be up at five in the morning practicing after work after school I would be practicing and that's really how I was able to do what I'm able to do now you know five four uh, was able to break a record 11, 11 three pointers in one game double teaming so you kind of things like that 45 points in, in wow. one game um, so i I really did did understand what hard work meant in terms of sports mm-hmm. so so if
0: it wasn't for education you'd be in the WNBA right
2: now um, <laughs> you know what I actually wonder that sometimes mm-hmm. I didn't have my legal status. Mm. So when I finished high school, um, got accepted to many universities and got offered a scholarship and unfortunately could not go mm-hmm. to a four-year college or to play basketball. Um, so I had to think about what I had, what I could do because I wasn't going to give up just because I didn't have my legal status, I, I wasn't going to just give up, I, I worked too hard, you know. Um, so i ended up going to a local community college here Santa Ana college and ended up um, playing at the community college and as always in my life i'm blessed i'm 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 blessed by god I, i really do believe he puts the right people in the right places for me and he put in the right team i mean that team people from kentucky were playing in that team Uh, girls that had had gone full scholarship at the four division level but didn't have the grades so we had a really good team and we actually went to the to the state championship for community colleges my first year of community college so you know um but then after after that first year I played at Santa Ana College I started to understand that my mom needed help Mm -hmm. you know my mom my mom was a single mom she had supported my brother and I And I think I needed to really think about what I wanted to do and stop playing basketball and start helping her with, you know, financial things. And and that's how come I then started to work and I left basketball. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, so that's a little bit of the beginning of my life. Uh, Maybe you want to talk about Omar about his childhood, or I don't know, um, something like that. And then I'll talk about my career.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Diana. Um, A lot of really interesting facts about you that, you know, I didn't know and, and I'm glad that people know now. Um, so, uh, what about you Omar, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your life. Um, yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity of talking about, no problem. about my story and is a little different, a little different because I was born and raised in Mexico. So I went to very traditional school. Oh, wow. My school was hundred percent opposite than the U S system, you know, the mm-hmm. school system. Mine was to be super early in the school, having just one teacher, not having too much access, for example, to libraries, because it wasn't part of the education, but it was more academic, like a more man, more sort of science and science. No art. I didn't have any art class in, wow. in my, my school in, you know, in, in elementary. Zero art. Why? Because it wasn't part, it was more academics. And I had really good teachers very strict teachers Mm -hmm. that I remember just fifth grade I had to memorize like everything especially for the Spanish class I had to memorize so as you can see is it was more more traditional my my schooling Uh, when I went to middle school in middle school same thing I had really good teachers but very strict so math science priority Art. I had only one class for art, but I was forced to play the flute. It was <laughs> the only thing. So I didn't enjoy it. Why? Because I wanted to play, for example, violin. I was not allowed to do it. It's like you have to learn. I didn't enjoy it. Enjoyed that class, but I, because I was forced to do it, otherwise, well. I'm going to get a lot of complaints and have my parents join up. But I like music, but didn't have the opportunity of learning. So I can tell. And after that, I moved to education, I got my bachelors. I got my bachelors in information and technology. I graduated in Mexico, totally different. And just being home and going to the school, didn't have that experience like uh, here, you know, living in the university, because it's, it's, it's different, the school system is, is different. And after that, I moved to the United States to study master, a master program, and only came in for two years to the United States. It never was on my plans to move and live in the United States. And guess what? I've been living here for 19 years. Oh wow. <laughs> 19 years. So after I graduated, I came in because I my family offered me the opportunity of coming and doing a master program. Which I said, go for it. Because and obviously, if you live in another country outside of the United States, would you come in here to study it's like, oh my god, he says, oh, this is oh uh, <laughs> coming to the United States. And the reality was hundred percent different. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's like a bubble. You think the United States is like everything is great, brilliant, and which is good. That's a great country. But what happened in education is different. So I had an opportunity of getting a job in adult education and I found out the needs about education. It's not like, oh, it's number one on everything, there are also needs. That being said, I also had the opportunity of working in an elementary school. We totally changed my mind. Oh, wow. Totally. Why? Because it was a school where probably 80% of the community of the students were Hispanic. I'm not saying only Mexican, Hispanic Mm -hmm. population, but at that time we had students coming from Europe where second language was different than Spanish. So we have from Russia and we have from Poland students, big difference. And I saw the needs about the students. It's not because you're in the United States, you have everything, but also needs. And people don't believe on that, in the English learners and the other language. So for me, it was a big shock to uh, have some families being resistant of speaking the primary language. The language spoken at home. Why? Because different philosophies, different beliefs. Like, Why you don't speak your primary language? So for me, it was a big shock. Why? Because I didn't know the, the school system, so I started learning, and that in and that school everything changed. So I moved into, into education. I wanted to continue in technology, that is my career, my bachelor's, and I moved totally, totally in education because I found out it was my passion was education. When I said when I was in, in Mexico, say I will never be a teacher. And guess <laughs> what? I'm education for nineteen years since I moved here. Since I moved here, I started working in education since 2000, since 2000. Oh, wow. So yeah, been a long time and everything changed. And I saw the needs, but also is the, I saw the fixed mindset, but I didn't see the growth mindset because people wanted to stay there, It's fixed, fixed, fixed. And I said, no, we have to change it. And I had opportunity. So now working with my colleague, with Diana and many other folks and, and individuals I changed my mind and it's growth mindset why because we can make the difference so this is part of my story moving into education design I move but I'm from Ciudad Guzman by the way in in Mexico and this is um, a city known because it's a songwriter is Consuelito Velasquez and she wrote De Besame Mucho that song is the most popular song I know in the planet <laughs> in the planet so I, I was born there and raised as, as, as well and going back to, to my story is education is my priority that's my passion we have too much to do and I'm very grateful and thankful of having a great colleague and uh, having other individuals part of this journey thank you
0: awesome awesome thank you Um, So I I just wanted to quickly ask you guys, I love hearing about your story, the differing backgrounds that you guys come from. So how has your personal experiences shape your want to start Give Atlas?
1: Let me start. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Why? Because as I mentioned before, I'm coming from a different system. I'm coming from a different school and it's totally different. So the pedagogy that was used in the classroom still in place in in mexico but what i learned here is totally different that i said if i had this pedagogy when i was in school my life would be different on my journey in school i will probably learn better faster and be more proactive so for example in writing and i have calluses in my fingers why because i have to like a copy from one book to to my notebook so it was like the writing, just and writing, and now learning all the pedagogy, all the research is 100% different. It's about brain research. So that's why I moved into education, and what is ALAS, is providing that research and providing some resources to teachers that can improve the student's academic achievement and closing the achievement gap here in California, but also in the United States across the country, but internationally.
0: Oh, perfect.
2: Yeah, I, I think, and I think that's the beauty of give Alas, that we all come from big, different backgrounds. And as Omar mentioned, his passion comes from that or stems from that. My passion stems from me as a child, right? So, as um, a lot of people who know me, uh, really talk about this idea of subtractive education. So that really has been my passion. Of uh, really, th- when you think about subtractive schooling, you think about taking what the individual has from them, such as their language, their culture. And you want to acculturate them uh, to the American way here or whatever country you're from. Really, it happens in, in many different countries. So my passion is always that, that you don't have to lose a language to gain a language. But you could gain a language and it another language. So I think that's where, for me, my passion and Give All less comes from. I really want to educate because I really do think that that's what we have to do. We have to educate others. Once we educate others on how to do that, then I think people are better for it. So I think that's really where my passion of Give Alas comes from. How do we educate so our next generation doesn't feel that they can't talk to their abuelita, that they can't talk to their founder, their community, but they're built upon, that they're still see- seen as an asset. They're seen that their, their language is a good thing, not a bad thing. So um, I think that's why Give Alas or organization is, is that, that we're able to jointly from my perspective and in Omar's perspective, we could do some great things to really work with teachers and I'm the educational perfect. community. Yeah.
0: That sounds amazing. Uh, I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> go into a bit of like why I wanted to uh, work with give and what I liked about um, you guys individually besides, you know, you guys are awesome and really fun <laughs> to talk to. But, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm a Filipino-American and uh, my families are immigrants, so I, I totally understand the immigrant background and everything that comes with that. You know, it's always challenging when you're coming to a different country and you have an entirely different culture that uh, I've noticed my parents, they've, they've struggled with it sometimes too, going from Filipino culture to American culture. And then me personally, going from learning Filipino in the household to American at schools and those two different ideals just clashing together sometimes. And they, they speak English, but usually they speak Filipino mm-hmm. with me. Um, And I understand fluently, but I can't really speak Filipino. So there was, maybe not a disconnect, but there was definitely a part of me that felt like I wasn't communicating as well as I could have. And it only took, it took up until college for me to have Filipino classes available. And only then I was starting to be able to speak the language better. And I was like getting more in touch with my culture, with my parents. And I was really enjoying it. But I thought to myself... This is college. This is all the way up until my college years for me to get a different sense of my own personal culture. And I do feel like if we were to help people get in touch with their own cultures through the educational system, um, it would do so much better for everyone else. And everyone else would feel uh, part. And I would be able to learn about other people's cultures too, which I think would help everyone become better and kinder people to each other. So, you know, I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to help you guys and interview you guys. And this has been such a great conversation to have just learning about you guys' story and about about why you decided to start Give Alice. In this podcast, we will be talking about many different topics when it comes to dual language education as well as anything else, personal stories, maybe your basketball stories (laughs) in the future or whatever. But this has been such a, a fun, interesting conversation. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it too as much as we have. And, yeah, so that's it for this podcast, but tune in soon. We'll have another one on the way. So thank you guys for listening.
2: Can I add something? Oh, yeah, go before ahead. close uh-huh. out? And I think that's the part of Give Allah is that maybe people don't understand that that is culture, right? That we are a culture, that we are a language, that we are a family, that we are that community. And so um, when people listen to this podcast, I hope they hear that. I hope they hear our Spanish or local, local, whatever we're gonna come out of our mouth or your Tagalog or Filipino, because that's actually a question that I have for you. Like, maybe that I've always, you know, I always understand that Filipinos speak Tagalog, but you guys say Filipino too. And that's something that I don't know, right? So you're gonna educate me on I, actually, that. I
0: learned that in my uh, in my class that Filipino encompasses Tagalog and everything else, See? which I didn't know that. That's so
2: cool. And like, I, that's what, one of the things that when I talk to you, and that's one of the reasons I also wanted you to work with us or, you know, do this with us because I think that's part of the culture that we need to really understand. Our Filipino students, um, we have a lot and we really don't know too much. I don't know too much mm-hmm. about your culture. And I think that's one of the things that we'll continue to, to really dig into. Um, and so, yeah, and just like yourself, I learned about Mexican-American history in college at Cal State Fullerton. So the first time that I read a book uh, about Westminster versus the Board of Education, where I actually went to school, was at my college Chicano class. Mm-hmm. So we have that in common. So that's really my epiphany. That would be the word. My epiphany came at, in college, my first year as a freshman. So it's a long journey. It is. But we are here together, and I think that's, that's going to make our, our work really, I think, insightful for some and then hopefully fun for others yeah
1: and my case is i would would like to add in regards to the culture and the traditions i have a strong tradition because i was born and raised in mexico so for example for me thanksgiving is totally different because we don't celebrate thanksgiving outside of the united states so now i here, like wow thanksgiving is huge it's a big celebration comparing from for my family or where i'm coming from christmas for example is a big big celebration and here many families don't celebrate or there's not a big deal you know between quotation marks but now for my family or for where i'm coming from it's, it's huge there's a big a big celebration comparing to thanksgiving but now i'm very happy to be part of this you know society and learning more about the cultures and tra- the culture and the traditions here in the united states
0: awesome um, that sounds great thank you guys for the conversation once again Uh, Hopefully we'll be speaking soon, and thank you guys for listening.
2: Thank you. Thank you.